Welcome to Space Bras. This is the science fiction movie podcast for all you bad bitch feminists out there. I'm Woo-hoo! Mary. And with me is the ever delightful, the way they do it in Israel, Kate Whitney. Huzzah! Nice, You're, to, but, nice to be here with you. I, and I, yeah, I say that, but you know, I think we have to say at the top of the show, you and I are both goys. We are, we are not we are definitely both goys. We are not Jewish, and it's important. It means that uh, that uh, there's a part of this dialogue that um, two uh, Catholic uh, ladies, race culturally Catholic ladies, yeah, yeah, yeah. To uh, this day, I consider well, myself well, culturally well, Catholic well, too. Yeah. And yeah, you know what? Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Jewish people, for giving that to me as an option. It, showing me the way is that as an option. You're like, ah, culturally. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I no, feel, it, I feel it, like, it works and it makes sense. I feel like it, they paved it the way for accurate. that. One thousand percent. Of course. With that said, there's there's a particular episode of the show we're about to talk about, Russian Doll, that I felt was a little bit inaccessible to me as a goy, just because... Right. It seems to me, as someone who might just be missing major pieces, like uh, some thematic stuff is brought up and then just kind of dropped for the rest of the series. And yeah, and I'm sure um, it's there. I just I'm sure it's too subtle for me to know. What, exactly. That's not... that's what we're embracing. Like we embrace whenever we talk about things that aren't um, necessarily uh, in our wheelhouse. One thousand percent. Not um, everything is just... for us, and that's fine. <laughs> yes. Which is lovely. I think you and I both agree that, honestly, the more media that's created that isn't just for us, the more interesting and diverse our media is, you know? Yeah. I'm sick of hearing the same fucking stories over and over again. So it's really, it's really awesome. It's very wonderful. Um, It's very wonderful. It's very wonderful. Um, But this exact thing, I, I think it's important to be able to be like, not everything is for me. So anyway, as we've mentioned, we're doing Russian Doll. And it, welcome to our second Netflix original series watch. Woohoo! As with Maniac, this will be a two-episode series. Part one is an introduction of the series and themes and a discussion of those themes as they relate to the first third-ish of the series. And for us, that means episodes one through three. Uh, this way, if you haven't watched it or haven't seen it all, Check us out, dip your toe in, and if you like it, catch up before our next episode wraps where we take on the rest of the series. Um, also, or you could listen to us and then see if you want to even watch it because we are tastemakers. Well, no, and that and that's what I meant. Like, listen to our episode, then go and watch it, and then listen to our last episode if you want. Or listen to both of our episodes, but we will definitely be doling out the series spoilers. Or listen to our episode, but have no intention of ever watching Russian Doll, and then don't. Or... But basically, any option, any combination there any is, is fine as long as any- you're listening to us. Yeah, we're the important piece here. <laughs> also, um, the first uh, three episodes, I think, are the hardest to get through. And with that said, I mean, I very much enjoy them. Um, episodes one and two in particular. Episode three drags a little bit. But I think once you get past that, the series is so, so strong. So... Um, if you have started it and haven't been able to finish it, listen to us. We'll take on some stuff and maybe you can just skip to episode four if you need to. Um, or maybe we'll revitalize your interest. 
Yeah, that's what we're doing. Revitalization. Anyway, I Mary, what was I stand? <laughs> I stand by it. Like if you watch the first episode and you're like, oh, no, not for me. Skip to episode four and watch it. They're only 30 minutes long. Watch that. Yeah. And then if you can and then just finish out the series. You don't I don't think you truly have to watch these first three episodes to like it. No, I, I would I would watch the first one for sure, because yeah. that is important for the series as a whole. Yeah, but but you can probably skip or, episode two and three. Um, light. Yeah. With that said, I do I do really like them, but uh, the hard stuff, the like plot stuff, the like really nitty gritty stuff. Um, other than Great Natasha Leone uh, as Nadia, character development stuff starts episode four. Yeah. So Mary, first impressions of oh, Russian Doll? It's uh, it's Groundhog Day with Natasha Leone. <laughs> That's what my impression is. <laughs> That's what it was. And like grittier, it's like a grittier Groundhog Day. Like it's like sadder. Mm-hmm. Although apparently the original Groundhog Day was supposed to be very dark. Um, and yeah. they lightened it up quite a bit. So maybe this is like, maybe this is what Groundhog Day was supposed to right, be. Right. Maybe we're looping in a different time zone. And this mm-hmm. is this is Groundhog Day as it was meant to be. Um, I mean, possibly. Yeah. Um, I'm interested to talk to you about some of the timeline stuff and whatever that happens. But I think some of that will be saved for part two. So sure. just like a little, uh, a little light plot stuff. Um, Russian doll follows uh, our heroine, Nadia, who on her 36th birthday, uh, while leaving a party, uh, ends up dying and then wakes up and dies again and wakes back up always in the bathroom at this party um, right before it really swings into gear. Um and that really is all you need to know about part one, I feel like, because, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. It's a pretty, again, like Mary said, I think at least part one of our podcast really covers where it's basically a gritty groundhog stay. Yeah. Yeah. No, it it gets a little more, you know. It, it it does not end the same place that Groundhog Day does no. end. And it, and it gets Andy into different McDowell themes and it gets deep. Is, yeah. Is not in this show. First off, the, the topical question we always have at the top of our Space Bros episodes is the series important? Is it feminist or interesting from a feminist perspective? Um, this question is really hard for me with part one. I think because part one is mostly like setting the stage. And I don't think this is kind of true, I would say, for the whole series. And it's not it's not a slam, but I think it does make what we do on this podcast harder for it. This show is uh-huh. incredibly entertaining to watch. Like it's it's fun you like the characters are likable you can the story is interesting you can watch it it starts a lot of threads that just as far as i can tell don't really go anywhere and that makes it's more it, like a thematic smorgasbord yeah than yeah like, like you get like a, a little a, bite a of beautiful this beautiful yeah you something. get like a little bite of this it's not it's not maniac which i think is incredibly dense it's not sorry to bother you which is also incredibly dense and like it has like yep. a through line that is like that is like wide as an oak tree. You know, this is not yeah. that. It's like it's a lot of little threads all forming this this beautiful tapestry. And that's wonderful. Yeah. It does make it hard for me to be like, it is feminist because of these like this reason. There are lots of like little pieces here and there. And I, I so I mean, I think like the only through thread I can really give, especially for episodes one through three is that it's about an independent woman and what it's like to move through the world as an independent woman. And that is interesting from a feminist perspective. 
beyond that, I mean, like, there's also some things where, like, all of her friends have, you know, there's, like, pansexuality and, like, lots of other things there that we could talk about, but they're just kind of, like, there, and then they we don't really have commentary on it. Maybe that is enough in and of itself. Just to so be like, for me, some people live yeah. this way, and then that's it. But I don't for know. me, that representation feels feminist. Um, sure, a really not a strong, interesting character is feminist to me. Um, also, yeah, including a world where it breaks uh, with the heteronormative um, portrayal of life also feels powerful to me. And part of that is because, like, genuinely. When I, we've talked about this, I think, on every episode, I'm constantly looking for queer representation. Sure. It, when you identify with a different group, um, and I shouldn't speak for everybody, but I have found that I'm constantly looking for media that shows um, that aspect of myself because it isn't it there. It isn't, isn't there stuff. as much. Yeah. Yeah. Like, for example, uh, Maxine, uh, one of Nadia's best friends who... Uh, our our lovely my lovely co-host uh maybe was a total pain love. in the ass. <laughs> I kind of like I like There's, her in the f- upcoming episodes, but like for episodes yeah. one through three, I was just like, oh, Maxine. Well, Ooh. the first episode, there's this moment where, like, she's, like, reads out her bathroom as, like, an art- artistic statement piece with, like, her best friend and, um, and Lizzie. Uh, and it's just really funny because... Lizzie's like, your bathroom looks straight killer, Max. She's like, is it vaginal enough? And I related so strongly to that as someone who has a vagina rug in my place, um, named by everyone else as being such, that I'm constantly wondering if uh, if, if art I'm buying is vaginal enough. Is that weird? Maybe. But um, <laughs> I, I don't that think moment. so. I mean, no, 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 of course not. Of course not. Like, everyone everyone would like to, everyone wants to manifest the world that they, they wish was true in their immediate Absolutely. surroundings. So that's totally fine. There is a part of me that is like, it's Natasha Leone. It's Amy Poehler. It's a it's entirely written and done by women. So I'm kind mm-hmm. of a little bit like, A, we should absolutely support it. I want more. But B, like, table stakes. I don't know. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Where I'm just like, yeah, I mean, yeah, of course you're going to have queer characters. But, like, give them, like, something to do. Like, like let's make a statement. Sure. And, like, and that, so that I found a little bit frustrating. I don't think I would feel frustrated about it. If we were not doing it for the show, I would just be like, that was really fun. What a fun show. And like, sure, we choose to watch things through a different lens for a our more, podcast. a more, a more strict analytical more structure. Focused. Yeah. And yes. it's so it, I, I find that the show, especially the first three episodes are hard from that perspective. And I kind of sure. wonder if that's why a lot of people dropped off early. Because I think like when I at the end of these episodes, I thought to myself, I was like, is there not a lot of meat on this bone? Like, is it just is it just like kind of like cool and we we're introducing ideas and then they kind of go away? Like, I wasn't sure. Spoiler yeah. alert to the next. I do think there's a, there is meat on the bone and it is exciting. It doesn't really come into play till episode four. And that's kind of why we broke this up this way. Um, yeah. I fully expect this episode to not be super long. And by not be super long, I mean, honestly, us talking in this portion might be what gives the episode its length, not yeah. um, our analysis of part one, because you're not wrong. There's not uh, there's not a ton of analysis to make in this in these first couple episodes. It's more like it feels a lot more like Groundhog Day because we're watching a person respond to this situation more than we were watching like crucial plot development you know what i mean we're watching like the way someone would try to figure out like you're stuck in this existential like loop 
what would you do? That's what mm-hmm. the first three episodes really are. After that, like just by by nature of at the very end of episode three, meeting Alan on the elevator and finding out that Alan also um, has died many times and come back. Uh, suddenly she has oh kind God, of a purpose. Kate, spoilers. Well, that's at the end of, that's at the end of this part one. So it's perfect. It's perfect. <laughs> it's like, that's it's exactly fine, what we can do. That's literally why it's structured this way. It's in the pudding, Mary. It's in the pudding. Proof is in the pudding. Anyway, I don't think that, that expression works there at all. But the proof is whatever. I am the pudding. I am the pudding. <laughs> so anyway, um, cool. I, 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 I agree with, yeah, I think you're totally right about these first uh, couple episodes. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yay! Cool. But you All know right, what is delightful the... about these first couple episodes? Natasha Lee. What? She's so oh delightful. Oh my god, she's so charismatic. She, like, takes over the screen in such a powerful way. I also love that she's friends with Abby Jacobson and Aladdin Glazer, and they all went out for her birthday together. Um, you know, all good things. I I do think that it, this is a a really cool thing to watch her in, especially because, oh man, who's the woman who is the say goodbye to these in Arrested Development? Judy Greer. Yeah, she's like Judy Greer in that she is usually she's never the bride. She's always the bridesmaid. Like she's always the best friend. Like everyone is. Everyone yeah. wants her to lend the cool. She's almost like tokenized. It's fun to see her in a leading lady role. I can't think of very many movies beyond, but I'm a cheerleader where she is the leading lady. Um, and no, she, she's usually um, she's usually she's a friend, usually secondary. Yeah. By the way, if you haven't seen, but I'm a cheerleader, you uh, should. Might we recommend it? It's lovely. Uh, RuPaul is in it. Um, it's just a fantastic movie, and it was the movie that I watched. And I was like, oh maybe i'm gay too because yeah that's anyway, really cool well, we, can, we can dig into that another time but national leone is really an, a fan, fantastic person to watch and she i think that people are kind of afraid of her power i'm gonna put it out there hmm like, yeah she no, is I not she is like otherworldly she is bewitching you don't it's not an easy She's not Meg Ryan. You can't imagine. You can imagine what it'd be like to have her as your best friend, but it would be like, she doesn't really let me in all the way. Like, I don't really know who she is all the way, but she's very fun to watch. And she's and she has just like a little bit of like mischief and dangerous energy around her. Which totally. is is bewitching. It's just fantastic to watch her. So I really enjoyed her in this. She's very crackly, which I enjoy. I would agree one thousand percent. Um, and I like that analysis. Uh, yeah, crackly Natasha Leone, um, being Nadia, being totally magnetic, just drawing your eyes to her. Just in these first three episodes, where it really is almost a one-woman show because of how insular uh, and myopic the portrayal is. Um, just really pulls it off. It's great. Um, you're in it with her from the beginning. Unless you don't relate to her at all, in which case, skip to episode four. There is potentially, now that I, I said all those things, where I'm like, it just doesn't really go, like, this part doesn't really go anywhere. I do think that these have some of the the better, like, the little threads that are there, I think, are some of the more, like, what I would call just, like, outright, like, you can't argue with it, most feminist statements that this the series makes. Absolutely. And it's the, con- there are two of them for me. And, well, one of them is more of like an idea, and I'll get into that. But I feel like the, the first one is a conversation that she has with uh, Maxine, which is why I was like, I do not like Maxine. Maxine is not a good person. And it's when <laughs> Maxine is like, 
you're gonna be fine. You're a cockroach. And then I could listen to Natasha Leon say cock cockroach. Oh my god, on- me too. Cockroach. Cockroach. Like it's just crazy. Like she inserts so many extra syllables and it's so good. It's amazing. Yeah. It's so good. But I loved that as like, and she's offended by it because that's a really mean thing to say to another person. It's a terrible thing for your friend to say to you. Terrible. And, and what Maxine but- I think means by it is like you're indestructible. You're like, you're like a little, you're like a little tough bug crawling around on the ground. Nobody really like wants you there, but you're not going anywhere. Like like life can kick you in the teeth repeatedly and you're gonna be just fine well i think what what saves maxine for me is that like what felt so human about that is like that the next cycle like after um nadia dies and comes back when she's like you called me cockroach she was like i would never call you that it was clearly like a moment of like a fit of um it's funny what our inputs will cause other people's outputs. Like oh, yeah. how we, situations we, we elicit things yeah. we never um, expect to say or do. And so I <clears throat> I did find that moment relatable because I'm sure in that timeline, should that timeline have persisted, I have a theory about timelines, we'll talk about later, um, that that she would have that she regretted it you know because like later on she's like why would i have ever called you and everybody says things they don't mean that are mean and it's just and everything you say is actually about you not about the other person anyway you know there's a lot of maxine's party for for nadia is clearly a more than a bit about maxine like um, oh yeah she clearly she wants to throw a party for her best friend but also i'm so glad i started cooking on thursday and i just and like this is no one eats my chicken i'm gonna kill myself sunday and yeah and i just love um an episode two at the end when like nadia's like died and come back like eight or nine times at this point she's like thursday what a concept yeah (laughs) it's never gonna be thursday again thursday again (laughs) um but i did like so i think I can accept that potentially about Maxine. I do think that what she is responding to is not is a a very cruel way of putting putting into words something that people do believe about strong women. Like, yeah, like there are times like I would consider myself um, I would consider myself a warm person, but I can be pretty guarded. And sometimes mm-hmm. people say things to me that I'm just like, what on earth? earth are you doing like why would you say that to any human being alive and i feel like they say it to me because they think that i just am i'm a cockroach like nothing will hurt me like it's fine yeah and it's 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 never like outright mean things like it's not like they're trying to be hurtful they just like throw it out there and i'm like wait i'm not like that at all what are you talking about of course i care people can say very hurtful things especially to uh strong women that's happened to me, I'm sure it's happened to many of our listeners yeah. because, and it's because because you're strong. It's like that strength like has to define you, or you're not vulnerable to like the people who you lo- care about the most um, having these perceptions of you, which obviously isn't true. Yeah, so I liked that as a is a commentary on obviously like I feel like Natasha Leon is a poster child for tough women. Like she almost died. Yeah. <laughs> um, she had to get kicked. Yeah. She, she had to get kicked out by Michael Rappaport, who is a piece of garbage, by the way, for uh for partying too hard. Like she's she's tough, you know. She's been through a lot, and so I think yeah. probably a lot of people really do view her as a cockroach, but she's not. Obviously, she's a human being. She's like, and she's just as fragile as anybody else. Like you can't, you can't, you can hurt their feelings. You can hurt feminists' feelings, and I think that that's so crazy. Like I think about. I think about 
about how like much this is just an example because I'm obsessed with her. But I think about how much like Lindy West has to be like, yeah, when people are mean to me online, it hurts my feelings. Like and that's like such a crazy statement that you could hurt a feminist feelings or like, ooh, we got to you. We got you. And you're like, yeah, I'm a human being. Hello. Like just because. Absolutely. Like so I think there's this weird thing in in feminist like pop culture feminism where you think it's supposed to be like a bunch of tough women like we're all real tough and we are but that doesn't mean don't we bleed like you you know like we are we're just people like it's not you can hurt feminist feelings you can make people sad and it's not just like oh snowflake what are you gonna do cry now it's like no what you said was actually quite mean (laughs) that's not acceptable you don't say those kinds of things other people we we and i think that it's important to have feminist commentary that champions kindness and champions treating people who are tough like they're still fragile individuals because everyone is so i like that part a lot well yeah and i and i think that this series honestly does a, a good job with that um yes i think you know there's this moment we're kind of having a less structured discussion than we normally do but i'm i'm cool with it because i think that we're going to cool places uh there's this moment where nadia um is trying to find horse the homeless gentleman who she had died in the cold with um because mm-hmm. they both died of like they both the froze little match girl awful. yeah yeah no awful and so she wakes up and you know she wants to go make sure that he's alive because she doesn't really understand like if people die in previous lives like do they come back too or is it just her that's coming back and he is and she like goes to the homeless shelter where the where that night, like, his shoes are stolen, and that's why he was sleeping on the streets instead of at a shelter, and that's why he died of, uh, you know, freezing to death. Um, she decides to go and, like, guard his shoes, because that way he'll go back. Um, and she's talking on the phone to John, and John, like, makes a joke, because she says she's, like, looking for, like, a homeless dude, and he, and she's like, it's not funny. It's not funny to make fun of homeless people. And I kind of love that. I kind of love that this that Nadia like, and and we know this about her character, but she's a champion of the downtrodden, a champion of um, and and maybe like that makes her problematic too. But like in the way that she has been so um, lost and hurt, and we don't see too much of that, but we do see uh, we see her interaction, her interactions with the oatmeal, where it's like her cat who she like lets run around and who is missing in the beginning. Um, and when she tries to get herself, um, put into a hospital because she's worried she's just losing her mind and she ends up dying in an ambulance car crash while these dudes are being such fucking power tripping assholes to her. And, you know, she is in the bathroom and is like, nobody puts us in the cage. And it's what she says about her cat too. But, you know, she she genuinely believes in in kindness towards others. Like for all of her flaws, for all of her selfishness or whatever, um, she's not unkind. She's not cruel. That's why that. I think that she gets so distracted in later episodes hanging out with John, which I don't give a fuck about. Um, but that's not for part one. So whatever. <laughs> um, the other thing that I think is interesting and feminist critique is probably because it's a story that's set in New York and it feels very New York. I think it's like a commentary about New York, but I think it could also just be a commentary about where we find ourselves uh, culturally right now in general, 
which mm-hmm. is that she is sort of like a swing between two very polar opposite worlds. Like, so Maxine and Lizzie, we don't really know what they do. They're not. They're artists. I believe. They're artists. All right, but right, but they live in like they. But have like, this, what are their day jobs? Yeah, like they, they have this beautiful. Like Maxine has this huge, beautiful apartment that's like cool, and she can afford to have like a ritzy bathroom with like a gun handle. Yeah, like she, she owns it. Like, yeah, she's, she's like got doing money. work to it. She's yeah. got money, and she and Lizzie on a Monday morning are like sitting around having coffee. Like, th- like they're clearly they're clearly rich people, right? And then. And they have, like, like, live in this world where, you know, they can do a bunch of drugs and they can have, they can have group sex and it's fine and it does not change, like, like, they're in this, like, safe sort of bubble. No one in that world is going to judge them or question those kind of behaviors. And that's fine. It's a giant privilege bubble, for sure. Yes. And that, and so, okay. And, but it's also, like, bohemian. Like, they're, like, they can, I'm sure they consider themselves bohemians. And, like, they're living alternative. Yeah, like, alternative lifestyles, quote, unquote. So, like, you have these people who are, like, rich, but they're also not following, they're not following, like, the way society tells them to be necessarily. But they're, like, they're, that's totally protected. They're fine. Like, they're, no one's going to call them out. No one's going to make them feel bad about that in this world because they're, they're set. They're not going to jail for doing ketamine uh, before someone's baptism. Exactly. Exactly. They live in this, like, high-cultured, urban, erudite, my, my drug dealer has Jodorowsky's Dune as its password world. Then you also have, (laughs) then you also have, outside of that world, you have extremely conservative like has no problem just being like, you know, like sexualizing uh, Nadia, like doing all these things that are that are very quite um, abrasive or a violent towards her. Like you got the ambulance guys that you mentioned. They're like they're horrible. You have mm-hmm. uh, Shifra who's like, well, the rabbi won't meet you, but maybe he would meet your husband. Like you have these like very conservative like ideas forces yeah that are like pushing in and like make it hard for Nadia to move through the world and I feel like that like I feel like a lot of people I feel this way are kind of trapped where Nadia is where you like you kind of go back and forth and you try and I think a lot of people try to stay as much in whichever world they feel more comfortable in but she goes back and forth and is like freely equally lives in both of them and that's a it's an interesting comment about like where we are right now as a culture. Yeah. Well, but, and, and it's interesting, uh, because it makes her kind of like her stray cat, like the way in which like, like she, by, by being someone who traverses both worlds, she belongs in neither. Yeah. 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 And you, and you can kind of tell it, she doesn't seem really comfortable at the party all the way. Right. And she doesn't really seem, and she's definitely not comfortable. Like, like yelling at people in bodegas about like sexualizing her like that's not fun for anybody so no, she's yeah. just she's just kind of she's like a wanderer you know yeah yeah i like that as a yeah if she was gonna have a tarot card that's the one i would uh definitely give her there you go so <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> um yeah so we've been talking about nadia um but let's uh let let's maybe get back to some of the roots. What are her motivations? Um, how does she react to this loop she finds herself in? Like we've been talking kind of big picture, but you know, just in these first three episodes, like I think we get to see her go through um kind of all like I guess the stages of grief almost, but like stages of the undead, <laughs> um, which is like panic and shock and fear. Um mm-hmm. 
like the first Paranoia. time, it's like, well, maybe, maybe that was a dream or whatever, you know, which I think everyone could like, one time is like some freak dream experience, whatever, maybe you can push past it. The second time is like, what the fuck is happening to me? Um, and she dies so many times in those first, uh, in those first couple episodes, um, especially going down the freaking stairs, dying like four times in a row, which is very, very hard to watch. I don't know about you. I, that eventually made sense to me, but at this point, so I I think because of who the star is and also we, we, you know, like drug use is kind of, and, and not just, not just like, not just like casual drug use, but like they, they hint that there's probably like serious problems here, you know? Oh, Um, for sure. So I think like we get into kind of like an addiction cycle with this. Um, in the first three, once again, they're just kind of laying the groundwork. Like I was like, ah, it's probably about addiction because like cycling, like we know that as a culture, that's like endless loops of self-destruction equal addiction. Like that's like those are those are basic, yeah. you know? Absolutely. In this- doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different uh, yeah. a different outcome is the definition definition of insanity and in that it's kind of what she does every time she goes down the freaking stairs, you know? Um, yeah. But I don't think early on, th- you don't have all the pieces that you need to, like, draw a strong um, thesis statement about addiction with this yet. Because yeah. what you see either, what you see is her kind of, I feel like a lot of the stuff about addiction early on is played sort of as, like, broad comedy, like the Israeli joint. Which I loved. I read a bunch of articles about it and all the articles were like, we have an incredibly cool staff and no one has ever heard of that, which I thought was really (laughs) funny. (laughs) They're like, we think it was made up for the show. And I was like, yeah. 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 Obviously it was. I didn't even Google that because I was sure that that was like, you know, that is hilarious. It'd be like, like, we have an incredibly cool workforce. I mean, it's not everybody in the world, obviously. And you're like, yeah, you don't have to say that. (laughs) It's fine. Um, But like they play that as sort of like just sort of silly and funny. Like she's like, what's in this joint? You know, like it's very it's it's you're not as a viewer. I was never worried that she about what was in the joint. No, I never. was. Yeah, no, no, no. As a viewer, you never you never think that that's the problem. Um, Instead, it's like something that she's able to like latch on to as an unknown. Um, It's interesting because like she goes through cycles, but she's very caught on logical thinking like she's looking for variables um and they kind of uh make it seem like maybe that has to do with like her programmer mind she's a computer coder we get to see a terrible uh review meeting um between her and a bunch of dudes uh basically like i feel like the yeah these are the episodes where you get to see like her interacting with the douchebaggery and like chafing at the bit of like you know the uh, struggling anyway struggling against the bit uh-huh but yeah i didn't worry so much about her i didn't really worry about her uh, addiction because i feel like also we're shown her and maybe this is just because we're shown from her perspective but we don't see we don't see really like affecting her life too much except for the fact that she keeps dying but we already know that we think that that's not because she's addicted to stuff like yeah absolutely she's one of those fictional people who like does a like drinks a ton and does a bunch of drugs but you never really get to see her like messed up she's always pretty sharp um yeah i do i do love that one sequence in episode two where um wherein she decides not to leave and she decides to just like give into this apartment because she's sick of dying on the stairs and 
she just does a ton of drugs and it's that um filmic technique wherein like the camera's like attached to the person so they always stay in focus but like they're moving around and like everything's accelerated so everybody else is like hyper moving by them while she's like drinking various drinks and like smoking and you know doing all the stuff and definitely like getting fucked up and then hung over um yeah but like what happens where she like goes to sleep and wakes up exactly like exactly. nothing really no. bad um, happens to her when she does she tries that. to numb herself and it's it's a beautiful filmic uh sure. filmically to watch yes. but uh but yeah um the the actual cost you see are things like uh when she says you know everything's gonna be exactly the same thing at the end of episode two we see that the flowers are dying that yeah. like there is the like a cost and then and then yeah. yeah the fish are disappearing as the loops continue um i think it's as early as the second one her friend goes from having five fish to two mm-hmm. she's like where are your other fish and she's like i've always had two fish ketchup, ketchup and mustard. mustard yeah yeah and it's you know it's it's wild it's <sighs> what did you yeah. make of that at this point uh, the disappearing fish yeah um well so she talked a lot about fish's memory so um how a channel fish can like remember um a feeding faces. like yeah mm-hmm. uh the faces feed it like for much further along so it seemed like uh by these people disappearing it like it makes by these elements disappearing it kind of uh means that, like it's almost like a cheapened copy you know what i mean like if you copy something over and over again how it loses fidelity that's what the fish felt like to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the dying um, plants made it seem like we were stuck on one timeline, which I still think um, we'll get into that in part two. But I think that the fact that like the flowers are dying and we start to see decay of things that aren't people because um, people have a longer shelf life than like fruits and vegetables you buy at a store or cut flowers um that it's one timeline that's getting like reprocessed over and over again and stripped each time um yeah i mean i think i think that the story probably takes place over the series of months not years oh yeah 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 like maybe even a month like that's a thing yeah like groundhog day apparently if you like talk to the director he's like thousands of years that's how long he's doing this you don't get that and i actually don't think you get that sense from groundhog day either i I definitely don't think you get that sense from groundhog day i think you think maybe a year to hear yeah i think you yeah yeah maybe a year i guess that that makes sense because i it makes sense why he would have tried to kill himself so many times you know yes like if you were living years and years yeah i would try and kill myself yeah just because there's a point at which you know you just feel stuck if you're yeah yeah. anyway yeah that's just that's part of like the existential dread of it but i yeah i I like your reading of it i read it more as um i thought it was just like an a symbol early on that like this is not sandbox mode in a game where you can just kind of wander around and you can do whatever you want. And it doesn't. Yeah, matter. there's an actual cost. Yeah, like there are stakes here. Like there's pro. Like if it does matter what they do and what they say in this in this loop. Like it doesn't. She can't just. She can't just kill herself every night and expect everything to be okay. Like she does. She is there for a purpose. There is a reason she there is something to fix which i did enjoy i appreciated early on because that i think kind of yeah. like got me over the hump of the early episodes that i were like i was like where is this going but like that always intrigued me i was like oh there's gonna be like there is gonna be resolution here there is more- yeah there's there's a there's a definitive like there's a path this isn't just like 
something like wacky that's happening over yeah. and over again. Unlike Groundhog Day, like there's there's a there's a tax being put on all of this. Um, there's a cost to it. All right, well let's let's just let's just touch on so where we're leaving off in in this story. Mm. Um, we spend the first three episodes following Nadia, and then the third episode ends with her. She's been watching. Horace's shoes so they don't get stolen at mm-hmm. the uh, homeless shelter. And that's what he says his name is, so that's the name I am calling him. Um, and yep. she gets up and she goes to the elevator and she tries to get out of the elevator but gets pushed back which also feels very existential. This like yeah. idea of like, I, I have a purpose and yet like the world is like pushing me in a direction that I don't want to go and so she just like gives up and is like, fine, you all win. And the elevator starts to crash, and there's a gentleman standing next to her, and everyone's panicking and freaking out. And she says to him, yeah. have you heard, like, we're all we're all about to die? And he's like, oh, that's okay, I've died a number of times. Um, our mystery has, up to now, just been, why is Nadia dying and coming back? Now there is um, a second person who is also living the same mystery with her. Um what what was our hypothesis at this point for listeners who haven't seen the rest of it um, on on what the next steps would be and how they can break out of the cycle? Mary? Um, well, I mean, I think because you have another guy who's experiencing the exact same thing as she did, um, I, I think you understand that they're going to be pivotal characters to each other. And to me at this point, I was like, oh, they must like one they need they need each other to break the cycle was like what i what i got out of it because like even the scene where she gets like pushed back in the elevator they're like no you need to run into alan you need to be with alan in this moment you know like that's sort of yeah how i read that so i think it's sort of like the universe like pushing these two people together and then and and forcing them to solve this puzzle together so it's sort yeah, of supplying them with the key they went from yeah. like not having it to suddenly having an idea of um of the fact that, like, maybe there is an answer. Because Nadia's been trying, and she hasn't been able to find anything. I think it... Because it's not something she can solve on her own. I think it also suggests that Nadia isn't crazy. Like, you, there is there is a part of this story that could be pointing towards, it's all a dream, or it's all in her head. And she's like, you know, like, yeah, you could... We know that there's mental illness in her family. Oh, sure. We've, we've heard a little bit about her mother, and the fact that her mother um, killed herself uh, when she before her 36th birthday. Yeah. Um, but like, I don't, yeah, I think that because you suddenly have this character, you're like, oh no, no, this is reality. Like this is really happening because otherwise, otherwise it would just be her the whole time. So I liked that. I think it was important to put that in early. Cause as I was, as I said, like episode three, I was kind of being like, oh my God, where's this going? Like, oh, it just seems like they like pick up threads and then they drop them and like, what's happening? And so like to have that, you were like, oh, there's meat on the bone. Okay, good. Good. Yeah. Like 100%. definitive things are going to start to start to happen, and that's why we're saying if you're having a hard time, skip to episode four. Yeah, because this series is definitely worth it, and it's definitely yes. um, it's definitely interesting and beautiful and worth watching. So this this series, um, we've talked about how these first three episodes are a little bit more like a smorgasbord than like a feast you can actually like gnaw into. You know, mm-hmm. Mary said the phrase "meat on the bone" a couple times. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that's so fun about this uh, is the mise-en-scene, like uh, how beautiful it is. Uh, for example, we're seeing 
this neon green light a lot with um, Nadia. In fact, a lot of like very interesting lighting. And part of that's because the party has a lot of like really beautiful light fixtures, but it's something that um, gets carried through uh, when she's in various other spaces, um, including like we get shots of the outside of her home before um, we see her and John inside of it. And it's just like the neon on the windows. Um, there's also the gun doorknob that you have to open to exit the bathroom that she is in every time. Um, yeah, she has to Mary, fire what, a gun. Every yeah, time you have leaves. to fire a gun every time, which is so nihilistic and cool. Um, I think this all enhances the narrative. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts and what uh, pieces stuck out to you? Um, let's start with the door, because I think that that is... I mean, they, I appreciate that they give it, it voice, and I like your reading of it, but I kind of wish they hadn't called it as a, vagin do a vaginal door, because first of all, it's very vaginal, so, like, you see it. And I loved... Yeah. I kind of liked the subtlety where it's like, every day she is birthed again, and it's a birth yeah. that's brought into the world with a gunshot. So that's like kind of like a starter's pistol, you know? Yeah. Like, now the day begins. Or you could also, like, when she fires it, she shoots, like, so the door handle, the door handle is a gun handle. And then the, the mechanism that opens the door is you pull the trigger. And mm -hmm. what she's doing is she's shooting the person on the other side before she even looks at them. Like, it's a, sh it's a blind shot going out yeah. into the world. And I feel like that kind of was a good metaphor for her general violence of her surroundings as well as her distrust of other people and the fact that, like, the idea of getting close to someone was something that was so threatening to her that, like, she's going to shoot first. She's not even going to look the person in the eye. She's just going to, like, reject them and push them away and not allow them to be in her space as other human beings. I thought that was a really cool idea. Um, yeah, that's, that's a I, I really, really like powerful reading. Um, oh, thank you. Especially with that first scene that we have when she, in the first episode, she goes home with Mike, this terrible dude. Um, he's just the worst. He's just the fucking worst. And after they have sex, and he's like, basically uh, asking her about like, you know, what she wants in connection or whatever. And she's like... No, nah, I'm not really looking for a partner, you know? Um, I think that that's just, like, to give people peace of mind. And I'd rather just, you know, live my life, me and my cat, you know, experiencing freedom. Um, yeah, from the very beginning, we we see how, uh, how I don't want to say scared of the world she is, but how how her hard shell has, like, caused her to push other people away rather than get hurt by them disappearing. Um, or and we see that with the party like you kind of get the sense she knows everybody there but they're not like her friends like there are people there who are her friends but there are a lot of people there who yeah probably... there are two people there who are her friends yeah that we know for sure are her friends and there are a bunch of like acquaintances that she cares about that are but probably like... friends more with lizzie and maxine and sure then, but they know her and they're like yeah we'll come to a party why not yeah 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 um, i feel like i have parties that fill with these people people who are like yeah kate's fine you know like yeah. That's not I me talking only shit about people... myself. I just made... <laughs> yes, no. Or like, I only I'd rather die for Mary Johnson. <laughs> no, of course. Every party so you have... Those are the only people allowed into your home. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Otherwise, you do not come through my, my vagina door. Um, <laughs> so, uh, 
I also love I love Harry Nielsen in general. I love that yes! that the oh, gotta get up, gotta song, get so out. That's the song that starts every as the bum 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 like it's like what opens when she opens her eyes and looks at herself in the mirror. I've I love that song and I think it's perfect for this show. Yeah. Because that song is my rushed. wake up alarm. Yeah, it's fabulous. And it's, uh, yeah, and it's like, it's about the rush monotony of life. Like, you're rushed, but it's also, you're not doing anything really that important. Right. The things that you're rushed for are only because someone else has told you that you're on a timeline, not because, like, literally it really matters in any way, shape, or form. Um, Yeah. And I've always, I don't know about you, but I've always read that song as... Uh, a person waking up in the bed of a relative stranger and that stranger being, or maybe not even a stranger, waking up in a bed with another person and the other person being like, you can stay a little longer. And the person's like, no, the day's got to get going. I need to get out. And so it's like, an ex- it's a, it's a, I'm going to exit this situation because I am not going to commit to you emotionally. And yeah. I feel like that is like her whole deal. <laughs> like that is her yeah. whole life with this. Yeah. It's just like, she's always on the go. She's always got to go. Because she can't stay, because if she stays, she might care, and that's not okay, so she's got to get out. Yeah. But she's getting out for monotonous reasons. Like, it's not, it's, like, boring stuff. It's not important. It's not, she's not doing something higher or better with her life for not engaging with other people. Yeah. Which you could say for some people, they do, right? Like that, like the dude who, uh, who just, like, went across the Atlantic Ocean in a capsule by himself. That is Yeah, he he had a goal and that goal yep. didn't involve other people, but it was still like a higher calling yeah. he felt like he was yeah. answering. Um, no, she's just like Yeah, Nadia's just Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I love the way New York looks in this movie or this TV show. The series. Yeah. Uh, 100%. I like how there are no, you don't have, I don't think, I tried to pay more attention after I like noticed this and, and I'm pretty sure this is still true. You go up in tall buildings in this show, but you never have any like soaring shots of the grandeur of New York City. Everything's street level. Everything is like what you would see if you were just like walking around. And I thought that that was really No, cool. it, it reminded me of like Greenpoint, Brooklyn a lot. Like, yeah. Um, like just like these smaller like burbs that um, yeah. don't have... Yeah. And I think it's supposed to show that like... Because I think what those, those soaring shots of New York generally, and when you like read about the psychology of skyscrapers and stuff like that, is that they're supposed to make people feel powerful. Like you're supposed to mm-hmm. be like, I'm on, you know, the hundredth floor, so I must be yeah, the specialist. I'm, I'm, I'm scraping the sky. Yeah, I'm the know? specialist boy that ever lived. <laughs> you know, it's like that's like your whole <laughs> yeah. deal. Um, and because you can look down on other people and like see them as little ants. And I liked that it was like, no, we're all ants. Like none. There is no like there's that's, no one in the story that's not an ant. Yeah, that's nonsense. Yeah, obviously, like just because you're higher up doesn't mean. And it also, I think, makes the city look very realistic. Like if you're wandering around New York City, you don't see those big sweeping. No, sites. if you're if you're lucky, you spend your time in like Greenpoint, you know, like you, sure. you go to these different neighborhoods and you get to know them and like. It, no one's but most people who live in New York don't live in Manhattan, you yeah. know, but even if you're yeah. in Manhattan, like you're not like those are things that are shot by artificial means. Those are shot from helicopters. Yeah. Those are shot from drones. Like it's an art like it's an artifice to think that New York City is this like is this like big sweeping skyline. It's not. It's like you standing on a sidewalk. Like that's what it yeah. is. That's what most people's 
experience of it is. So I really liked that. I thought that that was very cool. Um, yeah. I also liked the ongoing play of little contained worlds, like the fish tanks, like fish swimming around in little loops in a little world that, as far as they know, is everything in the world, but is yeah. actually like microscopic in the broad scheme of things. And I, yeah, no, it's 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 a great metaphor. Yeah, and I think it's the same as for her, like her little world and her her street level world is very small, but like there's a bigger world out there. But we're not we're not showing the bigger world to say like that is more important than her little world. We're saying like her perception is what is important. So the perception of the fish is what's important. It's not, this isn't a story about like fish getting released into the ocean. That's not what we're saying here. We're just saying, what are you going to do while you're in your tank? Like that's, that's the important piece. Yeah. Which I thought was cool. Agreed. Agreed. Very clever. Um, Cool. Well, guys, we hope you uh, tune back in for next week when we pick up with the meat of this bone. The meat. Russian doll part two. Focusing on episodes four through eight. What up? Woohoo! As always, thank you for listening to Space Bras. Head on over to the podcast platform of your choice Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, all that good stuff. Um, and use those handy dandy functions to subscribe, um, rate, or leave us a little review. Tell us what you think. Um, be sure to visit our own website, outrageousmechanisms.com space uh, slash space dash abras um, to find our other podcasts and kind of cruise around and see what cool pictures we picked for things and just like get to know us a little better. See pictures of Kate and me. I don't know. Whatever you yeah. like. Yeah. Whatever you yeah. like. Plus there are other <laughs> podcasts there that, are, that might contain familiar voices. So, I mean, I don't know. Whatever. Um... You can also find us on all of the social media platforms that matter, namely Instagram and Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, and see We're what- also on Facebook, but I'm definitely not very active on there. So Yeah. I mean, well, well, yeah. we're just waiting for Whatever. fans to create our, their own Facebook group about us. One thousand percent, guys. That's what Go ahead. That's what's Go ahead. basically at this point. <laughs> uh, yeah. But that's all I got. Awesome. And now, join us as we raise our glasses and give the official toast of space bras in these troubled times we must remember that even though everyone might suck, we are awesome and the galaxy is ours. Cheers! Outrageous.